So one, two, three. All right, welcome to Michael and the Bear. My name is Michael, and I'm JJ. Thanks, thanks for t- joining in. Yeah, we got a great special guest today, uh, the inventor of the uh, one of the one of the greatest coins of all time, Dogecoin. <laughs> well, why are you laughing? You don't think so? Uh, you know, Mr. Jackson Palmer's with us today. Thank you. Thank welcome. you for having me on. I, yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah, I think before we start the show, I actually want to say, like, so this is the, Jackson, you're our first guest on this show, and I think it's actually very appropriate because in a way, you're sort of like the, you're you're a living hero of our show in that, uh, if, you, if you're not familiar with Jackson, he's got a, he's got a YouTube channel, he's got, uh, he's got a show called Crypto Weekly, and he spends a lot, a lot of his time talking about the technology behind cryptocurrency and doesn't spend a whole lot of time talking about the market and market cycles and price and all the stuff that traders want to hear about. And that's something that we aspire to on this show. And while Michael and I are not the most technically savvy when it comes to crypto, I mean, we're not coders, we're not Ouch. programmers. Ouch, dude. Come on. <laughs> We're, I'm sorry, Michael, but you're an artist. You're, you're an actor and an artist, and so am I. Yeah. But we yeah. are also activists, and we care about things that are a little more politically charged or a little more ideological. So mm-hmm. with that, I'm really excited that you're on the show, and, and I think it's great that you're our first guest. So Absolutely. thank you. Yeah, I don't know. Thank you for having me on. I always appreciate going on shows where it's not just hey what 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 coin's gonna pump next so yeah I'm right. all for it so again if you're listening and, and you're not too familiar with cryptocurrency or if you know if you know about cryptocurrency but you don't know the names of all the coins and you don't know what we're talking about when we say dogecoin um dogecoin is a meme it is is that right jackson i mean it's basically it's a, well, it's, yeah, I, I think I think you could say that it's become a meme. I think that Doge before it, right, the uh, the Shiba Inu looking at the camera, it, w- it was definitely an established meme before Dogecoin came along. But I think Dogecoin came along very quickly after Doge the meme, and so they kind of got intermingled and you know go down in history as very similar things or one and right. the same. Right, I think by meme, I just mean a cultural reference of sorts. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and Doge, I don't know a whole lot about the history of Doge, other than it seems like it was somewhat satirical when it started, which is meme-like. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to give us a quick history, or is that something you're tired of talking about? Well, you can probably find a lot of other podcasts where I've gone through the history, but the, the crux of it is that... Um, you know, I was into cryptocurrency. I noticed a lot of alternative currencies, altcoins on CoinMarketCap.com, and um, made a joke, just saying that you know I think Dogecoin is going to be the next big thing. Um, not not really thinking that it would ever actually become a thing. It was just a it was just a, a hot take or a joke on Twitter, and uh, and then that very quickly evolved because I think it was the it was the right place in the right time it, it turned into a real thing um which kept being funny and funny and funny and, and until it kind of stopped being funny and it, it became a little bit too serious for me and you say it became a little too serious and that like people started to take it seriously as money and started you started you started to see the greed is that what you mean yeah yeah i think i think with any new like open source community that's that's 
you know, learning a new technology. I think I think Dogecoin started as very much something that people thought as worthless because it wasn't really widely supported on cryptocurrency exchanges. It was it really just existed as this Reddit community that and then some people that were learning how to mine crypto, but with Dogecoin because it was you know, it was just not profitable to mine any other coins at the time if you just had a single GPU really. And um what happened was that although it started out that way, as it became worth money because people started trading it, um, all sorts of things happened. Just the tone of the community changed, but also it was it was like kind of blood in the water to the sharks, right? That they, they kind right. of saw an opportunity to exploit a community. And then there were hacks, there were scams, there were just run-of-the-mill stuff with cryptocurrency these days, but um, that really tore the community apart um, and just kind of took the fun out of, it, out of it, really. Yeah. I mean, not to mention, didn't you have like, I don't know, I don't want to say like it's, it was a death threat on Twitter, but somebody was like really, really aggressive to you like last month. Yeah, yeah, that, well, that, that that's pretty common. I mean, that um, was insane. <laughs> that that's common. I mean, talk about talk. Yeah, talk about blood in the water. Yeah, it's like, we, my God, man. Yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, these days, these days, my my uh, my Twitter is not so much about Dogecoin, thankfully, um, but uh, I I do get a lot of weird weird d- direct messages if I say something that ruffles some feathers. So. Yeah, I think it's just par for the course with having an opinion in cryptocurrency, well, now, do you, especially. Yeah, and having do an you audience. Get those responses, yeah. Do you get those responses from your non-crypto comments? Because like, not I really. Remember, you know, a month it, ago, it, what it is is it's not even really my followers. That's the funny thing. It's usually um, if I if I tweet, you know, either purposely or not purposely about something that has a keyword in it then there seems to be people out there that just have these keyword searches set up. So, for instance, if I say something that, uh, you know, anything about, say, Ripple, for instance, the currency, oh, um, <laughs> it's like it's like these hawks swoop in and they're like, hey, well, you, are you really a Ripple fan? Do you know what you're talking about? If you'll refer to page 60 of this, you know, wiki article, then you'll know that you know, it's like, okay, settle down. Like, it was a tweet. Um and, you know, the same thing happens if it's interesting that you mentioned, like, uh, staying away from the price and actually talking about politics. That's one thing I've had to kind of tone back on because, um, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize this, or maybe they do, but um, cryptocurrency as a space has a very clear kind of political leaning that I might not necessarily agree with myself. And so, um, yeah. if I'm if yeah, I ever, if I that. ever step into that and say anything that's like slightly not to that narrative uh definitely definitely get not death threats so much but more just the you know i've, I've gotten a whole bunch of uh of trump and putin memes in my direct messages from time to time it's amazing yeah, see it, we're not we're not big enough yet so we talk so much trash or i do about that <laughs> i miss that well, yeah, political I miss that. space <laughs> so. i mean we yeah th- that's like i mean that's 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 a big reason that we were excited to have you on the show because mm. we I mean, I've always felt that cryptocurrency is kind of a has become a subculture that challenges authority, and and there's so many different political ideologies that fit into that. Mm-hmm. And when people are very close-minded about about your opinions, it's it's mm-hmm. like what well, something is defeating the purpose there. And it's like plenty of ideologies on the left and the right. I mean, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's like not here- just a, a super conservative Tea Party. Like space, it's not a anar- you know, anarchist, anar- anarchist. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, yeah, it's today. it's interesting. It's a, it's something that isn't honestly talked about a lot. But 
Um, I think let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the, the problem that I have with it is um, it, it's definitely. I think we can agree that it's libertarian leaning, um, and I think part of that, what often goes hand in hand with that, is is very much the the kind of like the people that call themselves anarcho-capitalist, right? Which is a paradox in itself, um, right? Uh, Always thought that myself. Oh, well, my yeah, it's, it's like, um, what? Uh, but the, I think if you trace back to kind of some of the original roots of, of something like Bitcoin um, and, and, you know, looking a little bit at the cypherpunks, but looking at more of the, the timing, right? It came out in around 2008, 2009, there were, there were a lot of people that came into Bitcoin as a community from the Occupy movement, which was very much not a capitalist movement, right? It was no, not at it all. Was, it was very much a you know let's let's not rely on the big banks and financial institutes, and um, it was real anarchism, um, you know, and not not this kind of uh, weird anarcho. I I, I feel like anarcho capitalism is, is really just a co-opting of a term rather than an actual movement. And, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's very interesting because I think that helps, you know, the instead of being about freedom so much or about being, like, against the banks, I think we've lost some of that um, because when you, when you kind of do that horseshoe from, like, real anarchism to to uh, anarcho-capitalism um you you kind of lose some of the criticism of these large companies that that, that essentially run the world so, so yeah, what because it's turned into mainly just about people wanting to make a lot of money yeah That's i was it. Gonna, uh, yeah That's i was just it. about to ask like what do you think has caused that to happen and i and i guess michael just answered it. it's kind of the greed comes in it's, it's the same thing that sort of tainted dogecoin i guess for you um mm-hmm. yeah yeah it, it's one of those things where <laughs> i think that it depends how deep you want to go into it but um the the mindset i, th- I most of the people that i know that, that that really identify as as legitimate you know anarchists um tend to to have a um more of a, a social leaning um and 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 really have have somewhat left the space because they don't really see bitcoin or any of these currencies contributing back to society in a meaningful way um and what they've really seen is this perversion where the door has kind of been opened and and wall street have been ushered in you know we're, we're at a point where um i think what's happened is um you know if if you are in it for money <laughs> then you're kind of going to uh, you know eschew any principles that you previously had and you're going to say i just want to do whatever's going to result in the price going back up and um i think these ETFs, for instance, and, and how excited people seem to be oh, about yeah. the ETFs. I'm like, how, how can you be excited about that? It's essentially saying, opening the doors to the people that, you know, collapsed the economy in 2008 and saying, hey, come in and do it again here. Um, and it's strange to see some of these people that that even, you know, dare call themselves anarchists, <laughs> you know, um, chanting or, or cheering that kind of thing on. Right. I well this 
this kind of you know leads into what I wanted to talk to you about today, and that is this idea of unintended consequences, mm. and not just in cryptocurrency and technology, but you know, like what we're ta- talking about with politics and stuff. I think cryptocurrency. Maybe you can tell us because you've you've been in the scene, you've been around uh, longer than we have, and you have seen this shift. Obviously, we know that that when it like right now especially right now when there isn't a whole lot of well i want to say there isn't there's not there isn't as much interest in cryptocurrency as there was say last winter last last fall Mm -hmm. um it's a lot of traders it's a lot of people who are desperate to maybe it's a lot of people who lost money that are desperate to kind of see their see their portfolios grow again and that that means that they're going to be excited about anything that that uh, that that brings value back to back to crypto. Yeah, yeah. My my thoughts on that are really that I I see this whole space as as a house, building a house from scratch. And I think um, we started off with Bitcoin, which was very much the foundation, and then um, early on, be it due to scaling issues or just general product market fit problems we didn't see a huge adoption of Bitcoin. And so through 2014 and 2015, through to 2016 even, you know, Bitcoin adoption from a retail commerce perspective just decreased. And um, then Ethereum came out. And I think Ethereum with its smart contracts really ignited this this idea of, okay, people are going to take that base layer, a, a cryptocurrency like Ethereum, like Bitcoin, um, and build businesses and services on top of that so you know the well you have while you have base currencies like bitcoin and ethereum as the as the as the foundation you then have the kind of uh, frame of that house if you will um being built by these dApps or, or services that try to utilize a token or a cryptocurrency in order to to fund or fuel an ecosystem and i think what we've seen has been a, a huge um, because of that obviously because of all the hype surrounding that it brought a whole bunch of people in and you know a lot of that was marketing fluff um, and a lot of that was was people being sold in a vision that might have been unrealistic and the result of that has been that we're now 12 months or more out from you know the big ICO boom of 2017 and, and many of these inexperienced teams who were kind of selling this amazing futuristic vision last year have failed to deliver a product or they've delivered something and it hasn't achieved product market fit. And by that, I mean, they've, they've built it just assuming that people will switch. Um, so they've built something that is a decentralized alternative to something that's, that's centralized and they just expect people to take on switching costs like installing MetaMask and things like that. Um, right. There are a few industries where it makes sense, and I think there's better adoption, like things that, you know, like legal sex work, you know, legal cannabis businesses that have problems and have always had problems getting banking or working through traditional payment gateways. But um, the majority of this frame that we're building on top of our foundation is rotten, right? And I think now we're coming into this realization that that is collapsing and as as that collapses it has a lot of downward pressure on the foundation because people are like well if if the frame was rotten well is the foundation rotten as well um and i i think in parallel to that what's happened 
is that the base layer, um, you know, the Bitcoins, the Ethereums, the Litecoins, the Dogecoins, all of these things um, have been have, have gone from having this perception um, in that ecosystem as um, a currency, right? A unit of currency, a medium of exchange that can be used in these apps. Um, the story has gone from, yes, we should use Bitcoin for commerce to, oh, it's a store of value, right? And then that's been just further perverted to um, it's basically now just an investment vehicle. And so if you look at all these apps like Robinhood, which is a popular kind of retailer and retail investor app where you can buy stocks, right? Um, they've added several cryptocurrencies. And what it's really done is rebrand um Bitcoin, Ethereum, and all of these base currencies as just another stock. It's like buying Apple stock or yeah, buying they, Netflix stock. Is yeah. uh, is uh, is Robinhood? Are they actually cryptocurrencies? Or are they futures? I've never really. They're understood. actually cryptocurrencies. Yeah. So I did a, I did a little bit of research into this and um, uh, on Twitter and and got to the bottom of it. It it seems that they do currently. Um, and I, I believe my question might have spurred some questions to the, the CEO of Robinhood at, at, mm. at TechCrunch Disrupt last week. Um, because on stage, um, I believe his answer was that they are holding the cryptocurrencies. They're holding them on an exchange somewhere, which is obviously very bad. Right. But they are they are cryptocurrencies, um, just with terrible security. We, but, um, we're just supposed I, I to think, believe that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, love, yeah. I love how so many things in, in crypto. Just, is just like with like, Tether. Yeah, you know? just, just, just trust us with this one. They're just there. trust us. Just trust that we're not going to hack, get hacked and just trust that the exchange as well is they're, not going to get hacked. They're safely... Because that's yeah. what crypto is about, right? They're, trusting <laughs> big banks and, and trusting then, financial yeah. institutions well, well, that's and, and that's Keeping that's the funny thing place. right like i think the only thing that was keeping the yeah these things are currencies dream alive was really the idea of these cool um projects where you, you would use the currency and now that none of them are delivered there's no real inertia away from this story that's starting to be told that it's just an investment vehicle and so the robin hoods the etfs just further cement that to the point where it wouldn't surprise me in 12 months if, if, if something like Bitcoin is really just m majority traded on centralized exchanges and, um, and ETFs. Um, it might even move, you know, bulk to ETFs once one finally gets approved, if it does, um, which is sad because it's like, okay, we've just lost, we've, we've lost decentralization basically of, of the entire money supply. And if you've lost that, then what's the, what's the point? So does, um, I, and I can't remember off the top of my head, so just you know, I apologize ahead of time. Do, does Doge take into account inflation? Yeah, well, you know, there's there's no. It depends what kind of inflation you're talking about. Um, but <clears throat> rather than having a, it does have a, it did have a fixed money supply originally of a hundred billion coins, but um, due to a bug in the code, um, which we ended up leaving in, uh, the after the mining cap was reached, uh, a further 10,000 Dogecoin are, are minted every block. And so um, what that means is that every year you get around 5 billion additional uh, Dogecoins being added on top of the, the ecosystem. But that's inflation, but it's deflationary inflation, right? So the yeah. first year it's 5%, the next year it's like 4 point whatever percent. Um, and over time, you know, 10,000 a block is nothing, but... Um, 
Sure. I think it was actually, there, there was a very large GitHub issue about this, and we ended up coming to the decision that we'll leave it in because enough wallets are getting hacked and enough coins are being lost that a little bit of inflation doesn't actually really hurt anybody. So so I guess the, the, the really important uh, thing I want to touch base that you said is that the uh, in the foundation of cryptocurrency is rotten. Mm-hmm. And I guess the the question I have for you as somebody who's been in this space for so long and, and thinks about it is, what do you think can fix it? Because I don't see Bitcoin not becoming an ETF. I don't see Bitcoin being traded on or not being traded on Wall Street. I don't mm-hmm. see the the trajectory changing anytime soon. So mm-hmm. how do we in the crypto community actually fix the foundation so either it doesn't get hijacked or it doesn't fall apart once Wall Street gets their hands on it? Yeah, it's such an interesting problem, right? Um, there was this interesting tweet a couple of weeks ago from Jimmy Song, who is very active in the Bitcoin space He's as an like educator. Guy. I have a lot of respect for the guy. Um, but he was he was basically, you know, talking about... Um, equal equal equality of outcome versus equality of opportunity and I, I think it was kind of he was trying to dish it to socialists but um, his post was saying that that Bitcoin is is libertarian because everybody's had an equal opportunity to participate and right, um, right. I, I think that's total that that's total bullshit, total bullshit. Totally. that's not <laughs> true at what all about people right? who had no money to buy it well and that's the thing right um, if if before 2017 when it spiked you you didn't have the money how are you going to invest in any of these things and i think the same goes for for mining which you know has always meant that you either needed to have a pretty decent gpu or you know a server farm if you're actually going to mine profitably right now like you know if you just go on craigslist and look for crypto miners all these poor people who bought ridiculous rigs are selling them because they just can't afford it's not profitable yeah. anymore well you know i it's laugh. such a privileged yeah. statement for him I, to say that like yeah, it is such a privileged thing and some and, and, person at madagascar could mine but, bitcoin i can <laughs> i mean like, i can on. i can see where he's coming from though i mean like the the thing is is relative to the ways that we could invest in the last 100 or 200 years cryptocurrency is probably the easiest thing you know in a long time if it's the easiest thing ever to invest in if you're just the average person. But that's still an average person who's got some privilege. Well, so that's it. Average, that's average it. American there's, there's, or yeah. first world, yeah. Definitely. It's very first world. It, 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 it's the, the other thing is that I think... But that's, that could be a good thing. I mean, like that means that possibly the next thing that come al- comes along could possibly be easier. I mean, well, I, don't, I don't really know. I, don't I, really I think know. the challenge is that, that, that how do you create a, a, a token or a coin or whatever where the wealth distribution is not from day one predicated on that person's wealth in another asset class, right? And what I mean by that is how do you create something where a person's ability, how do you create something that's actually equal opportunity whereby a person with more money, so, you know, the Wall Street executives and the big bankers can't have an, an unequal um, amount of that off the bat purely based on their their holding of a lot of usd right and yeah that that's why i don't think bitcoin or any of this stuff has been equal opportunity and this is what's happening right now is because of this um you know i think i think we this is a very hard problem to solve you can't solve this with code right you can't solve social problems with code um and or, or you can't solve power structures with code um you just 
there's no way to represent that. Um, I think the problem is be- the community has been too accepting of that. If the community had pushed back more on that, then maybe it could have been mitigated a little bit, like it would have been a bit of a resistance. But what's happening now with the ETFs is that cryptocurrency is slowly, 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 more rapidly now, edging towards just representing the same wealth distribution of the existing system. And if that's yeah. the case, what's the point? It, it, we're burning down forests with proof of work to have the same system um, right. with the same rich people at the top. And I, I, I don't, I think that's the huge problem to solve. I don't know if it can be solved with code. And, and, and so to answer your question, I don't know how we fix that, but the way you would is by making sure you actually have equal opportunity up front um, from the beginning. Well, if we look at kind of what's going on right now or has been going on for the last year or two. I mean one of the one of the things that has led to this this like a mass of people coming in thinking they can make money from this industry being built, companies that are represented by crypto quote unquote cryptocurrencies, which is really just stock. Um, I think that the problem is is we have so many of them and people are starting to trade them like stocks. People are starting to think of them like that. I mean, I remember the first time that I saw people on the internet getting excited about cryptocurrencies having partnerships. Like, oh my God, it's a partnership. It's the best thing in the world. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, what the? Like, we're having partner? Yeah, how, do you, yeah. how do you partner with a decentralized network? That, that, <laughs> and- that's, the, that's the sign that your favorite ICO project is about to fold is when they start announcing random partnerships right. with other companies you've never heard of one thing one thing that i am starting to see more and more i I, you know i I saw a couple weeks ago on the facebook group that michael and i are part of and i saw it i see it on twitter occasionally it's when somebody mentions something and then somebody replies saying but do you really need a blockchain for that like is that Mm -hmm. you know and i think that's a that's a good question to ask but my my response to that usually is the reason that you need i mean the reason for a, a blockchain is for the the cryptographic nature of it to protect something you need the censorship resistance that in my opinion is the most important thing about bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and mm-hmm. so when people are starting when when i when it becomes a trend that people start to ask this question is that is that kind of leading in the right direction like if it people, is I, it is i i i think it it can be easy to see that as pessimism that is that is that is inertia towards a traditional system. But I think it's totally valid for somebody to question that without, you know, just because somebody asks, do you need a blockchain for that? Doesn't mean that they're, they're like, Oh, I love the fed. I love, you know, I love wall street. I think, um, yeah, I don't think that's, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Michael, do you have any other question? Well, just to comment on that a little bit, like I, I, I think that the, the fact of that is that most of these these blockchains were spun up with without a, a clear need for that. And you know, you talk about censorship resistance, right? BitTorrent is censorship resistant to a great degree if you have enough people seeding things, and um, it doesn't need a token at all. Um, I, I think most of the 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 characteristics of a a blockchain or I don't even like calling that. Let's call it a distributed ledger. They can be most of the characteristics, whether they're um, censorship resistance, um, verification, um, even auditability, can be completely 
solved without the need for a blockchain per se, which is just a data structure. I, I think that more importantly, without a token. Um, and so um, the the only kind of thing that, that the, the structure of current blockchains provides is that auditable ledger, right? Um, but it's a chicken and egg thing. Um, if, if the only reason you need the blockchain is to monitor the status of the transactions on the ledger, well then, but, but then that token has no use otherwise. What's, what's the point? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned like a lot of these, a lot of these projects, a lot of these networks don't need a token. But one thing mm -hmm. that Michael and I have talked about on this show is how crypto has, has, uh, has also influenced fundraising and how it could potentially, you know, disrupt the way we've been able to raise money in the past and maybe even for good. I mean, maybe for, you know, in a positive way. I mean, that's something that we've mentioned and because other, otherwise I see tokens as, as something that is really, I mean, that's the only reason for them in my opinion is, uh, is, is last year you create an ICO, you raise some money by selling this token and mm -hmm. that was the way you could kickstart that's the way you could jumpstart your network to get a mainnet launch and then turn it into something that was really going to influence the world. And part of that is, you know, what we see with, you know, Cardano or Tron, where like they aren't even decentralized yet, but it's in the plans. And mm -hmm. I, I guess I could see a value in that. But I mean, at I, what I cost? Can't. You can't? I can't see a value in that because like, what's the point? If, if, the, if the purpose of your <laughs> token is to make the network run, why do you want people to hold it and store it and not use it and then increase the value of it so people who come on and try to well, use your network? It's, it's just to raise, it's, like, it's just for fundraising so that you, that people can do it and they don't have to get paid nothing to do it. I mean, that's the... Yeah, so, so I, I, I've, I've studied this a lot and I think there is there's definitely some use cases, like I mentioned earlier, for a base currency like Bitcoin to exist um, because... Uh, in its simplest form, right? And, and that's purely because there are some industries, there are some groups of users out there in the world who are, who are terribly underserved by the existing system, right? Whether they are sex workers who, you know, get deplatformed off something like Venmo or PayPal um, or, you know, people that are legally farming cannabis but have to, you know, still put, you know, thousands of dollars in the trunk of their car and then, um, you know, drive it somewhere. So I think those are, are legitimate use cases where a base token like, like Bitcoin could potentially solve that problem. And it already is solving that problem to a certain degree. In the future, can that be completely, you know, um, that need be removed if, if, if the government comes up to speed and, and, and platforms, centralized platforms start accepting these people onto their platforms? Absolutely. But right now, definitely a need. When it gets to fundraising, um, I, I, I think that the question I have there is, well, why could those people not have funded uh, their their system through traditional means? And, and when you say, when you go down that rabbit hole, um, the, the, the question becomes, uh, well, the, the, the problem becomes regulation, right? And the what you were saying, well, I, I understand it, is is basically there's too much regulation or it's 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 too illegal right now to sell illegal securities right and i think <laughs> yeah. the problem with that statement 
is that some of that regulation, while outdated, does exist to protect people because you see, um, you know, and I'm not a huge fan of regulation, but if the regulation helps the on- helps only make the rich people lose money, then I'm actually for that regulation. Yeah. We're in a situation right now um, where, you know, there are these stocks, they're like penny stocks out of Wolf of Wall Street, if anybody's, you know, read or watched that. Um, these, these things are highly volatile. And so, you know, a regular person probably shouldn't be playing in them. And so, um, by doing that, you've really just made it easier for the wolves to, to pump and dump things on the market and exploit the naive right um with a lot of buzzwords so i don't really see the point in it and i think what's happened um the other the other big thing to call out there is since the very beginning with icos um there was this facade there was a this 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 you know marketing kind of thing where people were saying well it's great because it democratizes um and decentralizes investing you know somebody can get in at the ground floor they can buy ten dollars worth of of whatever crappy company that probably doesn't exist now is. And um, in the same breath, um, those people neglected to say that the big VCs and Wall Street bankers were also getting in on those ICOs. Because if you remove every shred of regulation, then it also doesn't provide any transparency into how that token was just distributed. Um, if you look at Basic Attention Token, which was one of the first big ICOs that kind of got some attention in 2017, it's infamous for selling out in under a minute because people were paying incredibly high fees to the contract, and it only ended up having, I think, less than 30 people in the world holding ridiculously large sums. Oh and so God. if you look at the token distribution Crazy. of most of these ICOs, it's even worse than Wall Street. It's worse. And so, removing regulation, that whole it democratizes and decentralized, decentralizes investment, I think it's a crock. I think it's, it's a, a, a way for people to sell this, this, this unregulated Wild West where a lot more people are losing money, I think. Yeah. No, I mean, I have to agree. Well, well I'm, I'm I mean, depressed about the space now. <laughs> I've, not not to bring it down too much, no, guys. I'm teasing, I've, I'm teasing you. I'm teasing I mean, I've you. I've always been sort of skeptical about. That's why it's about, called Michael and the Bear because I'm used to talking to bears. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, and I, I mean, I usually stay skeptical just because when people ask me, I tell them, you know, stay away. There's a lot of ugly things about cryptocurrency right now, and I mean, maybe to leave on a uh, leave on a positive note, it's kind of like. Well, so this, I mean, our show, we sort of take pride in, in the fact that, well, we, we like to think that we ask questions that cryptocurrency kind of brings up to the world and, mm-hmm. and kind of uh, try to discover. I mean, we can't really discover too many answers, but we can at least wax about them. And so, you know, I mean, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show and really getting into this with us because, you know, this is, well, this is yeah, a pretty I serious think, conversation. I, th- I think to leave, like, on a positive note, like, I think... You know, because I, whenever I do this, people accuse me like, "Oh, you're a pessimist." You know, you have no good news. Well, yeah, I do. I'm I think just glad we didn't start talking about tether because yeah. then we'd be here for like another hour. <laughs> well, well you, dude, you wouldn't get rid of me. No, uh, the, <laughs> me too. The, the no, the, the good news is that there are projects out there that are decentralized in a way that makes sense, or decentralized in a way that doesn't require a token. 
Like some of my favorite projects is things like DAT, which you might have heard of, and the Beaker browser, B-E-A-K-E-R. Um, they're doing a completely decentralized web without any notion of a blockchain or any notion of a token. It's all peer-to-peer. It's great. Um, they're talking about integrations with Firefox and Chrome. Um, this stuff could be the cutting-edge future of the web, um, but it's getting no no kind of light shone on it because there's no way to buy a token and, and, and flip it for a profit, which is really sad to me. Um, and, and I think there's, there's, there's all sorts of other projects in that vein um, there's Secure Scuttlebutt, there's IPFS, although they went and did a token with, um, with Filecoin. But there's a lot of these protocols out there that can and probably will exist 10 years from now because they're doing it the right way and they're focusing on, they're not getting caught up in, you know, being 50% developer and 50% armchair economist, right? And I think that those are the teams that are going to win. And I think there's projects out there. You just got to dig a little bit deeper than searching what to invest for on Twitter. Yeah, right before you you joined us, we were kind of talking about how like, well, we were we were trying to figure out what to talk about, and and it came up that you know the the idea of a blockchain or a confirmation chain. I mean, I had been I went when I was in college. We were we were utilizing um, cryptography in that way, and mm. it really wasn't until somebody put a dollar sign on it that it really exploded. And so it's possible that it ju- it's going to take people recognizing the value of it without a dollar sign on it in order for that to change. And hopefully that can happen. Yeah, I, I maybe. I, I think <laughs> my, my perception of all of this is that I don't, I don't foresee a world in which it replaces fiat currencies or um, relatively centrally controlled currencies just because of the social dynamics surrounding them. That being said, I think there is huge potential for cryptography in in bettering people's lives through decentralizing systems that ought to be decentralized. And so, um, you know, I, I'd say go and, go and focus on those rather than the ones where you can make money because if somebody's telling you you can get rich quick, it's probably it's probably a sham. Okay, so just to, to end it... Um, Do you, and you know, you don't have to answer this because you have obviously a historical stake in the project. Do you want an international cryptocurrency to to succeed and there just be like one internationally used coin? That's a really good question. I I think it's hard um, because of the politics surrounding that um, and it would be nice to have something, especially as we kind of become more and more of a global community, to have something like that. But I think it's also important to just realize that local communities have value as well. And there there could be something to be said for, for also having local currencies. Like, I, I don't necessarily see it as a is a bad thing. It's more about the control and how democratic that is. I guess my my the way I think about this is right now in in projects like Ethereum and Bitcoin, there is a group of people who have commit access to the the GitHub repo, and and that's where the binaries are released, which people will run on their systems, 
And that is essential, essentially controlling the network. Whether people wanted to deny it or not because they're using proof of work or whatever consensus mechanism they're using, the people that ship the software control it. Um, and right now, I don't see very democratic processes. I, don't, I, I see a centralized point of failure. I trust faceless developers less than I do democratically elected government. And... Does our government suck? Absolutely. There's all sorts of problems with it. But I see it as a spectrum, and I think you can go really, really far to one end of the spectrum and say, let's just abolish everything, and you know, it'll just be cryptographic, but you're still going to get back to relying on the developers shipping that code, unless everybody magically becomes a, you know, a, a super-tier developer overnight that understands crypto. So... What I'm trying to get at is in lieu of government-backed and controlled currencies, developer-backed currencies are going to come in, and they already are. And I don't feel like the people have as much power over that as they do over being able to democratically elect leaders. So that, that, that's, what, that's where I'd stand. And maybe, maybe in the future that'll change, and there'll be better ways of doing... Um, of doing voting um, digitally, um, but you know, as we've seen lately, even you know, nothing beats the old paper ballot and um, you know, good old democracy. So, yeah. so you heard least- it here first, folks. Jackson Palmer is bullish on EOS. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know oh, oh man oh. <laughs> my twitter mentions are gonna be no. <laughs> so maybe uh, sorry, i mean, sorry. It, I mean uh, if anything i guess it's good that people are talking about this stuff finally <clears throat> even because you know a year ago they weren't a year ago mm-hmm. the idea of voting uh, you know electronic three electronically through some decentralized network that nobody could even conceive of that so mm-hmm. possibly yeah. good things all right. Well, uh, I think that was a really good episode, and I, re- I want to thank you for being our first guest, and we hope uh, you enjoyed so it. And, at, uh, yeah, it was great being on. Thank you. Twitter hey. handle is at um Jackson. That's U M M Jackson. They spell it right. Yeah, that's U-M-M. correct. And you can check me out on YouTube if you just search Jackson Palmer. Uh, should come up and uh, close you, to the top. You do have a Patreon uh, page as well, right? I do, yeah. Same handle, patreon.com forward slash um Jackson. So check it out there. Great. Nice. All right. Nice. Jackson, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for being our first guest. And Absolutely. We, we hope to have you on again soon. Okay, cool. Thank you very much, folks. Uh, have a good one. You too. And everybody, that's Michael and the Bear. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you next time. And that was me being a radio DJ host. So the music's playing right now, so you're not going to hear it anyway. <laughs> you know. <laughs>